0: The Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew the sixth chapter. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is There, your heart will be also. This is the gospel of our Lord. Our first hymn is 569. Today is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Lent season. It's the one day a year chosen as a church. To behaving the same way that the faithful of the scriptures, the same way that they would act when they knew that suffering was near, when there was calamity, when things weren't going well in the nation. What do we do? We wear sackcloth, we put on ashes on our heads, we repent in our hearts, we repent with our words. We repent as a community, and we trust in God alone to deliver our village of Elk Grove and our nation. The word repent means to turn back, to return. Specifically, when a Christian repents, she's returning back to the presence of God after being lost, trying to walk on her own path for a while. In our text today, Joel is living at a time when Israel has been split in two by civil war. There's a northern kingdom called Israel, and there's a southern kingdom called Judah. The war and division itself were sinful, yes, but the cause of the division, the cause of the war, also had its root in sin. Which one? Well, God's people were obstinately stubborn, choosing to walk in their own way, not the way of the Lord. The way that he had described in the scriptures. And so God gave them over to their own sinful desires, as Paul might write it. Have it your own way, God said. He allowed wicked and crazy kings to rise up. And to rule the people as punishment. The scary part about the book of Joel, however, is that on top of all that, God points to a future. A future where another people that doesn't look like the Israelites will come and conquer them. That is, unless they repent, return to the Lord and trust in him and his will and his word alone. Joel writes, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping. Physical signs of heavy consciences, physical signs that you've had enough and you're ready for a change. He continues, rend your hearts, not your garments, meaning don't let your repentance remain an outward show. That's what the hypocrites do, Jesus says. Instead, offer up your broken heart. That is a pleasing sacrifice to God. King David writes in his beloved psalm, the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The first step toward healing and change for a nation is actual, true repentance in earnest in the hearts and minds of Christians. It begins individually. You return to the Lord, your God. And then we return to the Lord, our God. And why would we return to the Lord? Because he is gracious. And merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. That's what Joel says. Then Joel says, Who knows? Maybe if we repent and return to the Lord, maybe he'll relent and he'll leave blessing behind him. This reading of Joel on Ash Wednesday is the perfect way to begin our midweek series. It will be about the scriptures behind the divine service that we do each Sunday morning. And why? Why is this the perfect reading to begin? Well, because Joel doesn't just tell us to repent and return to the Lord, he shows us how. He says, Blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet, which became church bells. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Call the people to come and worship. It began in their homes, and it ends here in the congregation. Let's repent together as a community. Let's wait patiently for his blessings. Let's worship the Lord together. He says, consecrate the congregation. Well, we just got done doing that, right? Set the congregation congregation apart for a holy purpose right here in the church. We've decided as a community we're not going to do what the world is doing. Like complaining or blaming others or fighting. We're going to repent and trust in God here together. Joel says, gather the elders, which is the scriptural word for pastor. He says, gather the children, even gather the nursing infants, like my son here, Friedrich. The next verse, though, is what I want to focus on tonight. When Joel writes, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. So let the groom leave his chamber and let the bride leave her chamber too. This verse is the first part of the divine service. Little did you know, maybe you have, that on Sunday morning when you choose to get up out of bed, put on your clothes, hopefully you showered, get in your car or maybe walk over here to this church. You are beginning the first part of our divine service. Our first step in God serving you when you leave your home. When you choose to leave behind the wicked world and to enter into his chosen place, his church. To enter heaven on earth. Jesus, the groom, he's left his room as well. The one that he's gone to prepare a place for us for in. And he's come, and he speaks words from this pulpit. He's come to this baptismal font. He's come to this altar in his body and his blood. And so the bride, his church, has left her chamber too and drives over to the building. We come before the Lord covered in the white robe of baptism. We ask The Lord for his mercy, mercy for our failures and our stubbornness and the failures and stubbornness of our village and for our nation. Joel says the Lord will become jealous when this happens. He will become jealous for his land. He will have pity on his people. He will answer and say to his beloved, behold, I am sending you grain, wine, oil. You will be satisfied. No longer will you be reproached among the nations. The grain, the wine of his supper, the oil of anointing at your baptism. The Lord will respond to your your repentance and your faith and your trust in him whenever you call on him. And especially When you're gathered here. For he says when two or more are gathered in my name. There I am also. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Psalm 51. God alone can make you clean. Christ alone washes you. Renewal begins individually in here, right? Each and every one of us. This is where renewal begins, when Christ washes your heart. But it creates change when we as a community, a congregation, together repent and trust in the Lord. When we give up individual control, when we give up old ways. And as a congregation, turn from old ways and begin new ones. New ones that have been consecrated, offered up, set apart toward the Lord, toward his ways, toward his word. The only way that this newness can happen is if God gives you the joy of his salvation once more. I know you've had it. If Jesus gives you the joy that you once had or heard about from others, the joy of the true and certain knowledge that Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, loves you. You knew that at some point. Maybe your mom told you, maybe your dad, maybe an older brother or sister. Jesus loves you. And when you heard it from them, you knew it. You had the joy of salvation. The certain joy that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has taken your sadness with the state of the world, the stubbornness, your anger, your cynicism, and has taken your place and has died for you. The Son who rises again that you might believe and be saved. This is for you personally. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He has taken away your sin. No matter if you're old, young, a man, a woman, rich, poor, grieving, or at peace. This true joy, the joy of assurance of your salvation should make you feel unstoppable. Jesus Christ is on my side. He lived and fought and died and rose for me specifically. I will live eternally because of him. He intervenes in the world for my sake. He stops bad things from happening because he loves me. You don't need to wear sackcloth or put ashes on your forehead. You don't need to earn his love or do anything. You need simply trust in him because he loves you. Doesn't that make you want to seek him out while he can still be found? To search the scriptures for him, to see him in every leaf outside? To see him in the cashier at Jewel, who's frowning today, and you know they hurt. To see Jesus in your child as you watch his children tonight, while him and his wife go on a date. When you're discouraged, pray. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with the willing spirit. The first part of the divine service is leaving the world. Leaving its darkness. Leaving the temptations. And coming to just sit and worship the Lord and receive his gifts. Just, just. This one time, right, just this one time a week, I get to go into the Lord's presence and receive. The world asks so much of me. I give, I give, I give. But here in the divine service, I can just receive from Jesus. His forgiveness, his love, his supper. But the final part of the divine service is when you're sent back out. You go back out there into the world. But that's okay. Because in the process of this divine service, you have been changed. You're not the same person anymore. You've returned to the Lord. You gave him, you offered up your broken heart. And he cleaned it. In his forgiveness and his mercy, he made it new. He made you new. He has not taken his Holy Spirit from you, but continues to pour him out on you and in you in extravagance. By his words preached, his supper, and the tracing of your baptism over and over again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has restored the joy of your salvation. He sends you out back into the world, not to look down on others or spit, but with a willing spirit, upheld by God's grace alone, despite incredible trials, incredible suffering, pain. People who have not experienced this, who still hurt and act on that hurt, You still have to go out there and be with them and love them. And that's where the fun begins when you invite them from out there into here. For others, for those that you love to return to the Lord. For the Lord is their creator and their future redeemer and their future sanctifier. In the same way that the Lord is your creator your Redeemer, and your Sanctifier. Amen.